Well, good morning. It's good to uh, be gathered together, uh, even if it is digitally. And uh, as we're just going to open the Word of God together, we've been looking at the book of Proverbs and uh, just seeing uh, God in His wisdom, explaining what wisdom looks like uh, for us as His people. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at characters in the book of Proverbs. Remember, at first we looked at the fool. Uh, who is someone who is just stubborn and obstinate. And what does the fool need is the, basically to develop a willingness to learn and a willingness to submit to what God brings to them. Uh, then there was the simple or the naive last week. And uh, the, the simple or the naive are, are easily led, uh, possibly easily misled, uh, and they keep their options open because they don't want to commit to anything because they don't want to miss out on things. And so what do they need is to think, to think deeply and consider what's going on in life and then to actually make a decision and to commit to something all under the fear of the Lord, obviously. Uh, and so those are two characters in the book of Proverbs. Today we get to the scoffer or the mocker. Uh, though some of what we looked at last week was kind of whimsical and maybe even humorous, this week is no joke whatsoever. Because a scoffer or a mocker is someone who scorns other people. They have contempt for people. They think that other people are worthless and beneath them. And the scoffer or the mocker hates the wise. And uh, so it's a sobering picture. Uh, and like we've said before, we want this to be a mirror uh, to our souls, but I think the book of Proverbs gives us permission on this one to, to rightly identify, to see where uh, scoffers might be in our midst and to respond accordingly. So it's not all about other people because I think all of us have these tendencies within us and we're going to see those warning signs of what becomes this person. And so that becomes the mirror. But are you around people like this? The book of Proverbs speaks to us about those things. So again, just like every week, we're going to look at various passages in Proverbs. We're going to read some to start us off just to get a picture of this scoffer or this mocker. And then we're going to kind of go uh, again, continue from there. So uh, we're going to begin in Proverbs 21, uh, 24. The scoffer is the name of the arrogant, haughty man. The arrogant, haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. Then we skip to Proverbs 9, uh, 7 to 12. You might remember that last week we looked at uh, woman wisdom calling out to the simple. That was verses 1 through 6 of chapter 9. And then woman folly calling out to the simple. That was verses 13 and the rest of the chapter of, of chapter 9. This one stuck right in the middle between those passages. So Proverbs 9 verse 7. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will, he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord 
is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. Then we keep going down into chapter 22, verse 10. Drive out a scoffer, and strife will go out, and quarreling and abuse will cease. Proverbs 29, verse 8. Scoffers set a city aflame, but the wise turn away wrath. And then Proverbs 24, 9. That the devising of folly is sin, and the scoffer is an abomination to mankind. So that's a quick sketch of this character in the book of Proverbs. Why don't we just go to the Lord in prayer uh, before we dive in. Father, uh, be with us. Holy Spirit, would you give us your eyes of wisdom. God, give us ears to hear your word. God, give us a heart to receive it. Uh, God, if we need to see ourselves on uh, these pages of Scripture, God, by your Holy Spirit, would you reveal that to us? Father, if we need to become wise and, and uh, open our eyes to what's happening around us, Father, bring that as well. Uh, would you uh, be in our midst? Would you expose what needs to be exposed? Would you reveal yourself? God, I pray in all of this we would see your grace. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So John Stewart the most trusted news anchor in America. (laughs) If you don't remember, uh, Jon Stewart hosted a show called The Daily Show, which was this satirical news program, and it was on Comedy Central. It ran for nearly 16 years, from 1999 to 2015. Well, back about 10 years ago, in 2010, in well, that was, we're going to look at what it was then, and things have only gotten worse since then. Time Magazine did a survey, and they did a survey asking people who, uh, who they, basically who they trusted most in the news industry. And, uh, and John Stewart was ranked number one. He outranked Brian Williams. He outranked Charlie Gibson, Katie Couric at that time. He got 44% of the vote with Brian Williams being a distant second with 29%. Now, Stewart is a brilliant man, edgy, witty, sarcastic, all of those things. Uh, His willingness to critique, to poke fun, to question, to just deconstruct something, we love it because that's the air we breathe as a culture. You know, in a sense, the person that jabs at authority, well, he can be trusted The person that takes the moral high ground where nobody else is, well, he's the one we listen to. And oddly enough, uh, uh, a few years prior to this Time magazine survey, Tucker Carlson, who's now on Fox News, he was with CNN. And he was on a show called Crossfire, and they hosted Jon Stewart as a guest on that show. And Carlson challenged Stewart about the Daily Show, get this, lack of journalistic rigor. To which Stewart responded, he goes, I didn't realize that news organizations look to Comedy Central for their cues on integrity. 
You do know that the show that leads into me is puppets making prank phone calls. And then he said, what is wrong with you? Well, Huffington Post, in an article about this, that the writer said, indeed, what is wrong with us? What's wrong with us that the most trusted news person in America is somebody on Comedy Central that is sarcastic and deconstructs anything, even though he's brilliant, that that's the one that people would say they trust the most? What's going on in our culture and what goes on in our heart? Because what that is and points to is the precursor, or the lead up to this person that the Proverbs are talking about and calling the scoffer or the mocker. So what is the disposition, kind of the, you know, kind of the, the base characteristics of a scoffer? You know, they mock things. They scorn things. Uh, actually, some uh, translations kind of call them a babbler. Uh, you know, a person who scorns and ridicules everything, right? And, and what uh, the Proverbs points to uh, in this is an arrogant pride, an arrogant pride. We've already read a verse uh, when we looked at it just before uh, the sermon, uh, 2124, scoffer is the name of the haughty, arrogant man who acts with arrogant pride. You know, they believe they're above everybody else. They simply take shots from their lofty place since everybody else is beneath them, right? They feel like they're justified to cast other people off. There's this arrogant pride of the scoffer or of the mocker. But also this, this disposition of this person is the, that the scoffer hates correction, and that's the word I'm using on purpose. Uh, it's not just they don't like re- being corrected. They despise being corrected. Proverbs 13, verse 1. A wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Proverbs fifteen twelve. A scoffer does not like to be reproved, and he will not go to the wise. So remember, we looked at the teachability uh, aspects of the fool and the simple. The the fool, uh, though very difficult to teach, you know, kind of a, a a hundred lashes and they might learn, they're stubborn, but they're still somewhat teachable. The simple is easily led, so they're still very much teachable. The scoffer is dug in. The scoffer is not teachable at all. And this is why you can't reason with a scoffer. There's nothing left where they can hear what's being said to them. They're stuck and they're immovable. Proverbs 9, which we already read, in this idea of correction and and discipline, whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. And he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. The next verse, verse 8, do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he'll love you. And if you're a parent, you've experienced this. Hopefully it's not deep-rooted in your children, 
but you've experienced uh, the, the discipline of them and you incur the wrath of your kids back because they don't want to be corrected. And we pray that that doesn't become their heart. You know, even though you will incur harm for correcting them, even this person that has, has become so dug in that they are defined as the mocker uh, by, by God and his word, remember, it's important to still correct them. Remember that when you do that, you know, it's said actually twice in the book of Proverbs, when you correct the scoffer, kind of even though they won't listen, the simple become wise. That the one who lacks experience, when they watch the mocker get disciplined, they're like, oh, they gain wisdom even from the discipline of the unteachable. So the scoffer is arrogant in, the, in, its, in his pride. The, the scoffer hates correction. The scoffer, this is pretty sad, takes great pleasure in others' harm. Proverbs 17, verse 5 that whoever mocks the poor insults his maker. He who is glad at calamity will, go, will not go unpunished. So there's not, not the word scoff, but the word mock, which is virtually the same exact word. And uh, the, the one who mocks the poor, like, uh, you know, what did they do to get themselves there? What happened to them? What did they not do right? Or I'm, I'm glad I'm not them. And the person that mocks the poor actually insults the God who made them. Because there's all sorts of reasons somebody ended up in the situation they ended up in. You know, the one who is glad when calamity falls on somebody else, that person is taking pleasure in somebody else's harm. Proverbs 24, 9, there's this sense of pleasure in someone's harm. The devising of folly is sin, and the scoffer is an abomination to mankind. So to to devise something is to actually come up with a plan towards it. It's not just you fall into sin, but you actually plan for it. You're like, hey, that's what I want. I'm going to go after it. I'm going to get it. And and the plan of folly uh, is the idea of mocking and scoffing. And Proverbs 1 puts it this way, that it's uh, that pleasure in others' harm. Hear these words in Proverbs 1, verses 10 to 14, that this is a father speaking to his son, uh, warning him of the words of a mocker and a scoffer. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, Let's lie in wait for blood. Let's ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let's, sh- let's swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot with us and we will all have one purse. Can you hear the, the pleasure of that person? They're not just saying, hey, let's go steal some stuff and fill things up. There's this glee about it, and they want everybody else to join in with them. And so this characteristic or this disposition of the scoffer uh, is that they love power, and they love watching other people squirm in discomfort, and they love to win 
They love to crush people in the process, which feeds their opinion of themselves. That is a staggering look if that is a person. That is a staggering disposition of somebody. But let's look at the carnage that a scoffer causes. What flows from the life of a scoffer? It's not just that they're all of these things. They bring harm with them. And so the, the, the scoffer is, uh, is one that affects people around them. They don't live on their own. They are very much re, uh, having ramifications on people around them. Proverbs 22, verse 10. We're going to get to the first part in a second. Drive out a scoffer. But what comes with a scoffer? Strife will go out and quarreling and abuse will cease. That's if you get rid of them, you're going to also get rid of strife, quarreling, and abuse. Chapter 29, verse 8. We've read it already. Scoffers set a city aflame. That interesting. So what follows a scoffer? What comes with them? Strife, quarreling, abuse, and cities, communities becoming enraged. They attack. They are defensive. They deflect attention or blame from themselves, and they turn it back on the one talking to them or maybe even trying to correct them. There is abuse, verbal or physical What's interesting is this person is always talking, but not like the fool. Where the fool speaks just to hear their own opinion constantly, the scoffer speaks about other people. So if you are around someone who is constantly talking badly about other people, or they're constantly defending themselves, especially defending themselves against people that aren't in the room, you may be in the presence of a scoffer or at least a scoffer junior who's on their way there. And if you just said, wait a second, that's me. Maybe God just had you realize uh, that and he's graciously showing you the cliff that you are about to go off. That if you're the one who's constantly talking badly about people and defending yourself and defending about yourself to, from people in this, in, that are not in the room, God is saying, would you soften your heart and would you turn to him? Because scoffers set a city aflame. They don't want to be alone. They want to drag other people into their destruction. And when they're around, strife, quarreling, and people, other people joining in to them being enraged happen. So what is the, what's the fallout? What's the result for the scoffer? Proverbs 30, verse 17 says it somewhat artistically. The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by vultures. So I just led the middle school guys small group. You guys can write that one down for discussion on Wednesday. But students, kids, you will first learn how to live as a wise young person in your home. God said in the fifth commandment of the Ten Commandments, honor your father and your mother. 
Paul comments on that and he says that it may go well with you. Honor them so that your life will go well. The the easiest way to become a mocker or a scoffer in your life is to scorn or mock your parents. You might think they're completely out to lunch. Trust me, they're not. You will realize that in about 10 years. But the easiest way to go down this path that the Proverbs are warning us against is to mock your parents and to scorn them. That the way that you live as today as a fifth grader or an eighth grader or a high school student will impact your future deeply. That that's how you will respond future in your life. Learn how to honor your parents and you will learn how to avoid becoming a mocker and a scoffer. Easier said than done, and that's why we need the power of God. So that's the carnage that comes with a scoffer. Well, what are the warning signs? So you might say, well, I'm not full-blown down that road, but how do I know I'm on the path? Well, the warning signs of becoming a scoffer are really interesting, and that you don't have to be a full-out setting a city aflame uh, to then start to recognize these tendencies. So Proverbs 18, verse 12. Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. Well, this verse gets quoted in the New Testament and rephrased a little bit. It's actually quoting the Greek translation of the Old Testament. James 4, verse 6, uh, the, the, the last part there, that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. It's said a different way in another part of the book of Proverbs uh, that basically we, we translated or, or, or used the phrase in our house at least once a week that pride comes before the fall. And so what's the warning sign or the precursor is pride. Where do you see yourself being puffed up? The, the, the first warning sign of, of becoming a full-out scoffer is pride and arrogance and you feeling that you are above other people around you. But let me throw a couple others out at you. The, another warning sign is contempt. Do you, do you feel this maybe welling up in you where you just have this disdain for things or, or a disdain for people or despising people where you just kind of cast them off or you, uh, you know, um, Dan Allender in his book, Cry of the Soul, uh, he, he talks about uh, contempt being this defense against shame. It's a way to, to insulate yourself. It's a way to protect yourself. It attacks beauty. It attacks and tarnishes glory, he says. And basically, you kind of put yourself up on equal footing with God. But what's scary is the idea of contempt is the exact move that Satan makes. That he speaks about God with contempt. That he despises the living God. And he despises all that he created, all that he created good, and he tries to twist it. And so if you feel contempt in your heart, that's a move and a step towards becoming this mocker or this scoffer that Proverbs lays out. You might not be full out there, but you might be a cynic. If you live in America, you're a cynic in some way. 
Because just like us saying that John Stewart is the most trusted news person uh, of 2010, you know, what were Satan's first words? And I, and I welcome you to actually pick up uh, Paul Miller's book, A Praying Life. A lot of you uh, had that a few years ago. And there's two chapters on cynicism. Uh, and, and so he kind of, uh, uh, Paul Miller unfolds the fact that Satan's first words that were recorded in the Bible are cynical. So he has a contempt for God, but these cynical words that he comes to Adam and Eve with, you know, for God knows when you eat of it, eat of the fruit of the tree, your eyes will be open. God knows that. You know, become a cynic. Become cynical of what God says because, you know what, he's holding out on you. The cynic, Paul Miller says, is always observing, but yet always critiquing, but never engaged, loving, and hoping. It's this sense of if I can just knock something else, I don't have to engage in it. And then he he quotes uh, Alan Jacobs. uh, And uh, Alan Jacobs wrote a biography of C.S. Lewis, who we're actually going to see a story of later. Uh, And C.S. Lewis is the one who, who wrote Chronicles of Narnia. And Jacobs reflected on Lewis's life. And he said this, he said that those who will never be fooled, can never be delighted. Because without self-forgetfulness, there can be no delight. And you're saying, all right, how in the world does that become cynicism on the way to becoming a mocker? Well, if you live your life, uh, you're going to distance yourself and you're going to knock everything. You're not going to allow anything into your heart in such a way that you become insulated. That's a cynical heart. Nothing is as it seems. Nothing is good. Everything can be deconstructed. But, uh, but Jacobs is saying that those who will never be fooled can never be delighted. Do you find yourself unable to be, be joyful? Unable to really enjoy what God is doing because you're a cynic? Or maybe you have contempt with what's going on. Those are warning signs and steps towards becoming a scoffer. Steve already prayed about it. Steve prayed about how we represent represent ourselves on social media, that we know that what you post reflects what you value. But even more pointedly, how you post reflects your heart. What you post reflects what you value, but how you post it reflects your heart. Remember that you are always representing Christ. You were always his ambassador to the world. And if you don't know how to engage with people that attack you, I welcome you to pick up and look at Tim Keller's Twitter account. It's beautiful. When he posts something and people jab at him and attack him and sneer at him and mock him, watch how he does not return their venom yet boldly states the truth of God's word and who God is in the reality of this broken world. That if we're responding with cynicism and contempt and all of these things, those are warning signs that this idea of the mocker or the scoffer is growing. So what does it feel like to be in relationship with a scoffer? What does it feel like to live with this kind of person. And you might be able to relate to this. 
Maybe uh, being around somebody, you find yourself in just complete self-doubt. Or you're always blaming yourself when something's going wrong. Or you're blaming other people, but you never blame the scoffer and the mocker because they, they've, co- they've coordinated it and calculated it to such a way that they can't be. You find yourself joining in rage, and you yourself, you didn't start angry, but all of a sudden you're now in rage. Maybe you're just worn down. You're weak. You're believing some interpretation of reality uh, that's simply untrue. You feel intimidated, and you lack hope, and you've even deadened any desire that things will ever change. There's a sad reality in our culture and around the world that many homes could be described like this. And the person that brings this dynamic into a home, the book of Proverbs is calling that person. And if God is saying that's you, he is calling you a mocker and he's calling you to repent. Because the idea of domestic violence and domestic abuse and domestic intimidation, that is the life of of a scoffer played out in a family. But what's scary is that to be in relationship with a scoffer, a mocker, you will suffer. Husbands and wives, parents, kids, siblings, friends, co-workers, neighbors, to be in relationship with them, you will suffer. But mocking them back is not the answer. Don't follow them into their scoffing. Proverbs 20 Verse 22 says, Do not say, I will repay evil, but rather wait for the Lord, and he will deliver you. Yes, what you are experiencing is, is horrible and not right. Yet, we, we wait for the Lord. It doesn't mean you can't speak, but you don't repay evil for evil. Yet, uh, there's this sense where If you can avoid a scoffer, do so. Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But what's interesting is we never want to label somebody like this. We never want to say, you know what, that person's a scoffer, that person's a mocker, because that, may, that sounds very uh, mean-spirited, it sounds harsh, it sounds like now we're taking the moral high ground, and we don't want to, we don't want to do that. But Proverbs 22, verse 10, gives us the freedom to not just quickly go here, but drive out a scoffer, and strife will go out, and quarreling, and abuse will cease. That there really is a time. There is a time when you say, it's it, enough. In the church, we call it excommunication. After steps of discipline, calling somebody back to walking with the Lord and submitting to him, after a while, that person is is displaying no evidence of a heart surrendered to the Lord as if they are not a believer, and that's how we get there. It's the one thing that no elder ever wants to be a part of, but it's the call of God for his church. It's the call of God for for people to rightly rise up against things that are evil. 
And when we do that, remember what happens to the simple. To the one that lacks experience, they learn wisdom. And so this isn't mean. This is love. It's love to the person and love to those who are around that might lack wisdom. But it cannot be done quickly or capriciously. And then we get to, what's the need of a scoffer? Because all of this sounds pretty hopeless about this person. I don't know if you feel that or not. But, uh, but since they're proud and they're haughty, they need to humble themselves because Proverbs 19, 29, condemnation is ready for the scoffer. And beating for the backs of fools. There will be a day when God's patience ends. And God says, enough. And the full weight of the scorn of God will fall on those who sit in rebellion against him. Proverbs 3, 33 and 34 might be some of the most sobering in this entire book. That the, the Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but the blessings of the dwelling of the, uh, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Get this, this is verse 34. Towards scorners, same exact Greek word as scoffers, towards scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. There will be a day, there will be a day when the scoffer feels a scoffing that trumps theirs entirely that I think we rightly ought to fear the scorn of God. Because I would never want to be under the scorn and the wrath of God. Because what did that lead him to? The scorn and the wrath of God over sin led him to pour out his wrath on his son, to allow his son to be mocked, to allow his son to become the one who is scorned, Proverbs 22, which is David uh, writing about himself, but it is ultimately a a, a Christological or a psalm about Jesus. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me, and they make mouths at me, and they wag their heads. Go back and read. Go back and read the account of Jesus' last week on this planet. Go back and see uh, all of the ways that Jesus is mocked. The religious leaders, the soldiers, the thief on the cross. And in Matthew, uh, in chapter 27, I don't don't have it on on the screen, but go back and look at it. It's even, the section is, is entitled, Jesus is Mocked. And you see him arrested, and hear this, they stripped him, and then they put a scarlet robe on him, and they put on his head, or, uh, and they, they put it on, or, and they twisted together a crown of thorns, and they put it on his head, and put a reed in his hand, and then listen to what they did. And then kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They dress him up as a king. They get down on their hands and knees as if to pay him honor. And they mock him. They spit on him. They took the reed and they beat him with it. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him 
of the robe, put his clothes on him, and led him away to be crucified. Jesus himself was allowed, permitted uh, by, the, by the permission of God the Father to be mocked, to be scorned, that the wrath of God falls on the Son of God. You see the thief on the cross mocking him. Well, can't even, can't even save yourself. But what happens to the other one? The other one who deserves to be there just as much as the other thief says, Jesus, you don't deserve to be here, but I do. Would you remember me in paradise? A scoffer himself, his whole life, ends up at the very moment when, when hope seems most bleak. He cries out, to Jesus. What happens to the centurion, one of the soldiers at the foot of the cross? He watches all of this and three gospels record that he says, truly, this is the Son of God. That scoffers and mockers can come to the fear of the Lord. And Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. There still is grace But to do it and to find the grace of the living God, you have to humble yourself and come to Him. Come to Him in the fear of the Lord that what was poured out on Jesus and the scorn of God the Father that was poured out out on Him is due to you for your mocking, your scorning, and your rebellion against God. But as you humble yourself to Him, there's grace. C.S. Lewis writes, In the voyage of the dawn treader, he writes of a character, Eustace. And Eustace, uh, he uh, he had given in to the powers of evil and he was turned into a dragon. And and, and he could return to being human if if he was willing to allow Aslan, the lion, who is the Christ figure, to cut him open with his sharp claws. To Eustace, this was crazy because if he gets ripped open, he would die, yet that's the entire point. His life depended on his willingness to die. He hated his condition and wanted the change, but he was terrified of what would heal him, of the death that he thought might come, and it was his ambivalence, his unwillingness to surrender to Jesus that ultimately tore him pieces if God showed you anything today he is saying come to me humble yourself humble yourself and you will find rest for your souls it is there the crown of thorns the cursing that Jesus bore he bore our shame so that he might bring about victory, not just of all things, but for our hearts and our souls to come to him as the living God. Would you do that today? Let's pray. Father, uh, take all of this as we went a lot of different places. God, would you land your word in our hearts? Father, if we need to confess to our families if we need to repent before you, by your Spirit, would you bring that? Would you drive out that mocking tendency, that cynical heart, that scoffing, disdain-ridden type of thought? God, I pray that you would draw us back. But thank you, God, for pouring out your scorn on Jesus so that mockers like us 
could be saved and could be brought into a relationship with the living God. Father, uh, show us your goodness and thank you for your word. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.